0: folks welcome back seems like i'm always apologizing for this but it's been longer than i anticipated before my next podcast till the next but I promise i'm doing the best i can and uh i enjoy enjoy doing it because i enjoy bsing about shooting and if i don't have anybody to talk to about it during the the class day the podcast gives me somebody to to talk about it in the in the evenings or, or mornings whenever i get around to it and uh, i really if i'm not on the range shooting or dry fire practicing I'm probably driving around thinking about shooting so uh, I kind of you know, treat the podcast, it's rough and it's unedited and it's uncut and it's basically if you were sitting across the table f- from me here right now and we're smoking a cigar having a beer together, uh, this is the type of stuff that I'd be talking about so I, I enjoy sharing it with you, I enjoy those of you that give me feedback and, and thank me for doing it and Going to continue to do them as often as I can, but no promises. Uh, lots, lots to talk about on this episode. May run a little longer than the norm, but uh, and then I have a whole slew of questions to get to. I don't know what what sparked the bandwagon, but I put a little thing on Facebook yesterday that podcast was coming. If anybody had any questions to to let me know, I had, I had a couple saved up. I was going to get around to, but uh, Facebook page was flooded with with new questions. So plenty to talk about. So I'll get through those uh, that I can today, and then I will pick up where I left off and continue continue answering them next time as well. My uh, my wife says that I'm allergic to flavor, and one of the aspects of the the podcast I was going to do is kind of a lifestyle dude thing, drinking booze, smoking cigars, that kind of stuff. But kind of come to find out that I drink the same drink and smoke the same cigar every. Every time, so nothing nothing real exciting to talk about. However, occasionally, I do get some uh, some goodies that I'll experiment on. It's so a really good friend of mine and a prior student. My birthday was last month, and he gave me a bottle of Middleton's Irish whiskey, so that was fantastic. I, I would say that I was enjoying a drink here with you during the podcast now, but truth be told, I've already finished the bottle that he sent me, and I'm drinking regular old GMO tonight, but... I did my normal cigar order with Tampa Humidor out of uh, Tampa, and they were out of stock of the of the Perdomo's that I normally order, uh, one kind anyway, one length. So they sent me the other, and then they threw in a sampler box thingy-majigger of uh, Perdomo. It's the uh, Habano, Connecticut, and it's bourbon-aged. So I'm not really one to try new things or like new things, but I gotta give a give a, a a plus to these. They're 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 really good. Maybe maybe a smidge spicy if that's the right word. I'm not one that that tastes the oakiness in wine and that kind of BS. But there's a little bit of a little bit of spice to it. But uh, I, I like milder, milder to medium at the most cigars. To give you a reference of where I'm coming from, but uh, but these are pretty good. So Perdomo Hamano bourbon aged, bourbon barrel aged actually, but uh, pretty tasty. And on that note, to give you a little bit more about my taste in things, if if uh, you ask me what color of Gatorade that I want, I, I might punch you in the throat. There, There is there is Gatorade. That's all there is. There is no color. There is no flavor. If, uh, if you want something other than green Gatorade, it's not Gatorade. It's flavored water. It's Kool-Aid. It's whatever you want to call it, but if I ask you for a Gatorade, you better bring me, better bring me green. So, get into the, the topic. World Shoot is right around the corner. I'm going to try to get hopefully one more podcast. We've got uh, just about two. Well, I'm leaving early, so we have two weeks and like three days. So, two and a half weeks. I'll be leaving for the World Shoot. And then we're, I guess, uh, like three weeks or, or four weeks till it starts. But I'll t- I'm going to try to get one, pod- one more podcast in before I take off. Uh, one crazy notion I had—I may may actually have to test this—but I've got a 40-minute commute to work, and I'm seriously considering trying to rig up the the podcast system in the car. I may get my my techy genius buddy that helps me—he and his—he and his wife, uh, mainly his wife—that helped me get the podcast thing rolling and see if that's even feasible at all. There may be just way too much background noise or. Uh, it may not work, but that would be that would be swell because I've got a lot of time in the car. I could I could knock these things out and get uh, more content to you quicker, which is always the goal. Uh, but world shoot prep has been going on good. Been practicing really hard. Uh, actually, catastrophically broke both guns last week, so that was pretty shitty. But I run the the uh, hybrid barrels in my nine major open gun and. The barrels cracked uh, right at the rib, kind of at the back and up, up the left side. And crazy that the, the uh, both barrels cracked at the exact same spot within 10 minutes of each other. Uh, they're pretty equal round counts on the gun. So I guess that part makes sense, but um, I mean, they, fit, they were fit properly. It's, I don't know. There's a couple of different theories going on as to why it happened, but nonetheless it happened. And a month out from the world shoot was not swell uh, so I had some, some training lined up that was inconvenienced and some matches. But uh, on that note, I'll pick that back up in a sec. But on that note, it's going to be mainly a competition focus here today. But uh, as, a, as a self-defense kind of sort of focus, you know, I'm a proponent that if you can shoot a gun, you can shoot a gun. And although I do train with my real carry gun from time to time. Well, that's not true. I don't train with it. But I shoot it from time to time. We have our, our DPL, our Defensive Pistol League match. I shoot it in that, which is kind of the, the reason I developed the match to begin with. Uh, so I, I shoot in that occasionally when I can, and uh, I really enjoyed that match. It kind of gets the, the gun and gear working under uh, some semblance of stress, some semblance of a hurry, and you, know, you kind of figure out how your mag your mags are working from where you're carrying it from, ammo's working, that kind of thing. But I think that if you know, I shoot tons of Glock 17s, I shoot tons of Glock 34s, in classes and in competition as well uh, i think that transfers over very very well to uh, the glock 42 that i carry so i'm not the guy that thinks that you know you've got to shoot your carry gun and only carry gun and otherwise it's wasted training i don't i don't agree with that i think if you're out working your your fundamentals working your shooting working your sight picture and trigger control that's going to translate over to whatever you're shooting so on that note uh i had some training scheduled up with um a buddy of mine, you may may have heard of Max Michelle, He was he was coming down here to Florida for the Pro Am a couple weekends ago, and we'd scheduled some training with just the two of us uh, for a couple of days prior for primarily IPSC training, prepping up for the World Shoot, and then we tagged on some a uh, little bit Pro Am train up right right there at the end. But the, the he was coming in. We were working together on Thursday, Friday, then shooting the Pro Am on Saturday. Uh, that Tuesday was when I broke. When I, was when I broke my guns, so I'm in a frantic. I mean, I have no two open guns is all I got, so I had I had no no more to go to in the hole. So I'm calling around everywhere I can call, calling in all the favors I can call, trying to find a gun uh, that's going to work. and am plenty of generous folks offered, but uh, probably not needless to say, I'm pretty picky on on what I was going to spend my time training with. Number one and number two, I was gonna I was gonna rail on the guns pretty hard, so I didn't want to go borrowing a you know a friend's gun and and put five thousand rounds through it and then hey, give it back. Say thanks, buddy. Um, I mean, I'm worried about heat cycles and, and that kind of shit. So I end up finding finding a couple of se- semi similar guns to what I run, uh, different caliber. They're 38 Super Comp versus my 9 Major, but uh, in in setup and scope and etc. They were not bad. You know, not bad at all. Uh, plastic grip versus my steel grip. So some shit like that, but. You know, I had this training training time set set aside for work with Max, and then the program. I was on the fence about that. I was going to pull out the last minute. I hate to spend that kind of money on a entry fee to go shoot a gun that's not yours, you're not familiar with, and you know, blah blah blah, making a bunch of excuses. Um, but I kind of fell back to, look, dude, you can, you know, you can you can shoot anything, and maybe it's not going to be a thousand percent as awesome as as what you're used to running, but um, but it's still going to be valuable training, in my opinion. If it weren't going to be valuable, valuable training, I wouldn't have done it. Uh, so it did work. It worked great. I got some uh, fancy new blisters because you know, a new gun hits you in different spots than than what you're used to. So we, Max and I, probably shot 2,500 rounds or something in a couple of days, and then the Pro-Am uh, following that on Saturday. Uh, and I shot really well. I, uh, Max beat me by one plate in the Pro-Am, and um, you know I shot a good match, so... I don't beat myself up too much about it. If you shoot a good match, you shoot a good match. If you get beat, you get beat. But, you know, there's a lot of instances in that match where, you know, if you're familiar with the pro-am, it's a part-time, everything's falling steel, so you, you get what you get um, for a score. And every time every time you let a bullet go and it doesn't hit a plate, that's, you know, that's one play lost. And there were certainly plenty of times throughout the match that uh, that, that happened. And I'm sure it happened to Max as well. I mean, nobody nobody runs perfect, but... Um you know, I was pleased with the way I performed, I shot pretty well. And not coincidentally, you know, Max and I were were well out ahead of the field. And that's not speaking bad about the field. There were some great shooters that we were competing competing against competing against as always. Uh, but I think it's a testament to, you know, we'd really put the time in the last two days. You shoot you shoot a couple thousand rounds in two days and you're you're gonna probably shoot better than if you don't do that. So it was just nice to have some time set aside as as it's been the last couple of months for me, uh, to really get some, some some training time dedicated, some serious training time, which I haven't done in a number of years, uh, to the level that I would like. Uh, so it's been really beneficial uh, this year in, in, the, in the ability to do that. Uh, working with Max was great. I, I tried to get him on the podcast, but we just didn't have time. We were, um, you know, primary focus was shooting, and uh, we talked about it. He was He was all for jumping on the podcast, but uh, we couldn't find time to make it happen shooting came first and we ran out of ran out of day before we ran out of things to do in the range but i hope to have him on the podcast uh, one day before long but it was cool shooting with um you know she with somebody better than i am and where i'm running drills back to back and and not winning most of the drills most of the time that's a rarity for me so it was good to be you know putting that pressure situation and, and have to perform at a higher level um Towards the end, we, we worked a little bit of Pro-Am stuff, so that kind of geared us up for for the Pro-Am on the weekend, and uh, it was all, all around a great, great couple of days. The Pro-Am followed uh, after that, and as I said, that went pretty well. Uh, Matt and the, the gang out there did a, did a good job resurrecting the Pro-Am. I'm, I was happy to see it do well, and hopefully it's going to be uh, the new standard for Pro-Am for years to come. Uh, weather wasn't awesome, and, and they handled that. Like a boss, and as as a guy that runs a lot of matches, I know what it's like trying to run uh, trying to run a match in inclement weather and worried about it, and, and trying to keep things on schedule. And they did uh, they did a really good job at doing that. So I certainly glad I decided to go. I finished second in the open match, and finished third in the limited match. Didn't didn't shoot very well limited. I have not been on the limited gun at all this year, and it it certainly showed. Um, I shoot plenty of iron sights with running locks and whatnot, but that's mostly tactical, military type classes where you don't have quite the level of accuracy requirements as you do in a competition or as you do in something like the program. Uh so making making excuses but uh, I end up with a couple of stage wins. Toward, towards the end of the day I, I got back behind the gun a little bit and it's amazing what a little bit of practice does. So I could I could tell the difference just in being five, six stages deep. But it sort of didn't didn't come out of the gate too well and and uh, that that showed in my scores, but finished third there. So all all in all, good weekend. Had fun shooting the pro am. I will uh, definitely be back to it. Uh, backing up to that a little bit, got a little bit ahead of myself. We had the IPSC Nationals since uh, I've talked to you guys last. Uh, that went that went pretty well as as well. I've I run that match, so now we're back to what my job is. Job's putting on uh, or uh, presentations, running running the matches and. And uh, smaller match as we expected with just the time of year and the world shoot and, and international travel and everything else going on. So I shot on Friday with the staff. Uh, shot pretty well. Was not was not uh, upset with my performance. so I felt like I shot decent. Uh, End up coming up a little bit short. Finished second there. KC UCBO beat me, and uh, he shot he shot a really good match. It's you know he, he's always fast, and you you know you're gonna get that, but. Uh, you know, IPSC style matches with the high accuracy stuff. He usually, he usually picks up a couple penalties, uh, a couple more than he did on this one. So that's what keeps me tight and keeps me competitive. Uh, if he runs a if he if he runs a relatively clean match like he did here, he's tough to beat, and uh, that, that that proved to be the case. But again, I shot pretty well. Uh, pleased with my training, pleased with my performance. Uh, it just wasn't enough to come out on top. You can't can't always control what your competitors are doing, unfortunately. But uh, all you can do is, you know, come out and put up a good showing for you, and the chips will fall w- as they may, as they say. Time out for a bourbon-aged Perdomo sucking. So I got the guns back um, y- uh, yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. I'm recording this on Sunday, so uh, by the time we, you know, I had to find the barrels, that was Tuesday a week, a week ago, I went into panic mode on Wednesday, you know, calling around trying to find what I needed to find and get it to the gunsmith, get the guns to the gunsmith, get the barrels shipped and all that taken care of, get them, you know, refit. So got those back uh, late last night, and like like late last night after dark, ran out this morning, got a quick zero, and then headed down to Hanson Range in Punta Gorda. Hanson Range is, or at least his match is run by uh, my buddy Dave Jenkins, who's the match director for the Nationals the last couple of years. Shot a local match down there today. So that was good, gun ran pretty good, I had one hiccup. I think it just needs a couple rounds on it, the barrel's a little tight, but uh, ran good. So I'm looking forward to tomorrow and the, these next two weeks. So we're you know, two weeks to go of solid training and then we uh, i leave midweek, the week after that. And I've only got, I think one class uh, between here and there. So primary focus is on shooting, uh, get the guns running good. Uh, ammo's ammo's running good. Marie chrono, although new barrels, new barrels now. So hopefully the chrono is fine. But I, I don't I don't run it tight, so I'm not worried about uh, too worried about that because the ammo ammo's already shipped. So there's nothing much I can do about it. But I think we'll be in good shape there. Uh, but just test all that and and put the rounds down training. So I've I a lot more comments on my training. I've 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 changed some philosophy in in training with with the ability I've had. To shoot so much recently, I uh, talked a little bit about it last podcast, but I'll, I'll hit more on that. I've developed a lot of thoughts on uh, on how to change, you know, change the way I train and, and tweak a couple of things that that I think can be uh, can be done better. So I'm happy with uh, happy the way that's going. So back at it, back at it tomorrow. Looking forward to a to a good day of shooting. Uh, that pretty much catches up our match stuff of. There's nothing big between here and there that I'm hitting. Uh, Area three was this weekend, but I chose not to shoot that. I didn't didn't think it was going to be super representative of of, uh, IPSC-type training uh, for the world shoot. Good match, but not really what I'm looking for. Um, Got a couple locals I think I'm going to hit in the next two weeks. And other than that, it'll just be uh, hitting the range, hitting training. So that kind of covers uh, covers up to the matches and, and competition stuff up to where we're at. So I'm going to hit a couple of uh, couple of the Facebook questions, and I don't have any any uh, timeline here laid out how I'm going to do this. I'm literally looking at the Facebook page as we talk, and I'm going to hit them on the way down. And ones that I miss, I will make a note, and I will get back to you. I promise. So the first uh, first one from TJ says, what's your view on grip? I've seen people like Stoger say as hard as possible – while uh, Eno says about as hard as you would grip a hammer. Uh, that, that's a good question. It, my philosophy's changed on that a little bit, too. Not a lot, but a little bit. Number one, grip is hugely, hugely, hugely important. The, the, the importance of grip or the, the significance of grip, I think, is not understood by most shooters. Certainly most of the tactical world um, competitors, I think, probably understand it better. But everything, everything stems from the grip. I, I, I teach the grip as part of what I call the foundation because that's what you build on. That's where everything starts. And, and um, I think if, if you can grip the gun as hard as you can without influencing the trigger control, and that's the hard part. Uh, and it matters what type of gun, too. If you're running a Glock versus a, a 2011 with steel grips, that's that's drastically different on the importance of how hard you have to grip the gun. You know, the lighter the gun, if you're looking at polymer frame guns, um, gripping hard, I think, is much more important. You're looking at my steel frame guns, uh, my 2011 Open Gun, where you've got a, a super light slide and a super heavy grip and frame, totally opposite from uh, Glock 34, for example. you got a super light frame with a plastic grip, all the weight of the gun is in the slide. So the importance of the grip, I mean, it's always important, but. The, um, the impact that your grip has on the gun is gonna be more important on a lighter gun versus a heavier gun. That said, you know, I still teach 70-30, weak hand to strong hand, which I've never measured. We just made that shit up, but it gets the point across. You wanna, gri- you wanna be gripping harder with your left hand than your right. And without going off too much in a tangent, the, uh, the more difficult the shot, the lighter I grip the gun, the less pressure I put on the gun. Just because I'm trying not to influence the gun at all, as much as possible, for that difficult shot. So, say something extreme like a 30-yard plate or a 25-yard plate. Uh, the gun is going to appear to recoil more in my hand than if I were shooting a three to three to five-yard paper target. On, on that on that near-range paper target, I'm, I'm gripping the shit out of the gun, trying to fight the recoil down and get on that second shot hard. Conversely, the, the the difficult or accuracy-intensive 25-yard plate, I'm doing everything in my power not to influence the gun at all. So I'm I'm gripping much lighter, uh, allowing that finger to work the trigger without moving the gun around. But that's going to result in the the gun recoiling more or the felt felt recoil being more. Uh, so probably complicated your question, but uh, it's a mix. I mean, I, I grip as hard again, grip as hard as you can without minute, without uh, causing yourself to, to to have trigger manipulation problems but also the more difficult uh, of a shot the, the lighter I am on the gun the, the less I'm gonna I'm gonna try to choke up on the gun uh next one I'm gonna skip I'll get back to that on a later date cause it's a long topic uh, from Joe how about a tip on how to stop jerking the firearm down man if I just had a pill for that um the, that is the biggest problem in pistol shooting. Anticipation is, is, the, is the hardest, uh, maybe the hardest to overcome, but it's the most prevalent fault that I see. Everybody has it. I've changed a couple of the ways that I present this information in classes now, and uh, obviously I want you guys to all come take classes from me, so I'm trying not to give away everything, but uh, one thing I've been saying now is, you know, I, I don't like the surprise break terminology because we're in charge of the gun and that type of thing, but I, the, the verbiage I use is let the gun go off, don't make the gun go off. I try to I try to work the trigger for the sake of working the trigger. This sounds kind of zen but I'm telling you, it works. I work the trigger for the sake of working the trigger. I, I tell folks my, my trigger finger is a grunt. He's an idiot. He's got no brain. He doesn't know pulling the trigger is going to fire the gun. Yes, of course, consciously we know that pulling the trigger is going to fire the gun, but I try not to think about it that way. I try to think of working the trigger for the sake of working the trigger in the correct manner. Yes, at some point that's going to fire the gun, but that's not the way I I try to look at it. So that's part of the equation. Um, The other thing I've noticed recently and started saying recently, and I'll give a little side story for that, is that the, the, the gun going off is a thing. That's an event. So depending on your background and how much you've been shooting and how many rounds you've got downrange in your life, um, the fact that that the gun is going off is still an event in your life. And as as tough dudes, we may want to pretend that we're not affected by that and that doesn't matter, but that's just not the case. There's an explosion going off three feet in front of your face, and your eons of, of evolution, what I call your dinosaur brain, is trying to protect you, trying to save your life from that explosion it's about to happen and that you're going to cause so you know it's coming you're about to make it happen and that's all builds up to that anticipation and the last nth of pull on the trigger we push the gun down missing the target and it doesn't have to be a lot uh, a demo i do in class a lot from 15 yards on a plate is hold the sights dead center on the target and then hold the sights uh, a half inch off the target below and then hold the sight dead center then hold the sight half inch off the target below, and the movement of the gun in order to do that, in order to move from center of the target to one half inch below, is almost zero. Like if you're not intently looking at the at the muzzle, you'll never see the gun move that much, and that's the problem. People think jerking the trigger is this big, pronounced, ah ha ha, look at douchebag jerking the trigger, but it's not. It's you move the gun a, I don't know if it's a millimeter, but it ain't much, at 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 the muzzle and minute of angle extrapolating that out to the target and you're gonna miss. So the importance of the ability to work that trigger without moving the gun cannot be understated. And that's where that anticipation comes into play. Another story, because I'm giving away my good stories that I tell in class, so you're gonna rehear them when you come train with me, but uh, my wife is a marine biologist. She scuba dives all the time. And when we travel, to the Caribbean we, I shoot a lot of matches In the Caribbean So we travel down there We usually take a half a day Or something to go on a dive And I'm not a very experienced diver I mean I'm certified And I've dove quite a bit But not very experienced Hell it's been Since before the Before the baby So it's been a couple of years Since I've dove uh, But we come up from dive and, and you know She's all excited about All the shit she sees down there whatever the hell She's looking at But she'll say Did you see those garden eels Did you see that Sea anemone Did you see this Did you see that and I'm like, fuck no! I was breathing underwater. Did you see that shit? And because it actually, I actually have to think about breathing. Uh, if you're familiar with scuba, I mean, if you take a, if you take an abnormally deep breath inhalation, you're gonna start rising to the surface. If you exhale too much, you're gonna sink to the bottom. So I am no shit. Literally thinking about breathing. I'm watching my gauges to make sure I'm not gonna run out of air and die. And 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 obviously she. Uses less air than I do because she's more calm under the water, and I'm, I'm freaking out because I'm underwater and there's no yingling down there, and um, so I'm watching the gauges. So just so what more, I got to thinking about that. I was like, man, that totally relates to shooting because for me, being being underwater like that, the, just breathing is a thing. That's an event. That's something that's distracting me. That's taking my attention dollars away to pay attention to. For her, it's not. On the range, same thing for me. You know, the gun going off. It's not an event. That's not a thing at all. Uh, I, I could, I could hold the gun behind my back and trigger the trigger mag off and carry on a conversation like we're talking right now. Uh, and that just takes time. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's anything you can do to train that away. You just gotta, um, you gotta get rounds down range. And I, I've seen that everywhere. I mean, I, we're out the, you know, work at the range now, and, and we're we're open to the public. We have memberships, and you know, you'll see a, somebody coming out to the public line, and we're walking down. There's nobody within 300 yards of them and somebody, one of the back bays will fire around, the gun goes off and, and the person jumps. And that's probably not a bad reaction to have to jump to gunfire, but you know, to me, it, it uh, I don't even hear it, I don't think about it. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you? And so that's just part of that, that's that's an event. On that note, there's a funny story I just thought of. We had, uh, during the IPSC Nationals, I was hanging out with uh, Trent over at the Stat Shack and. Or BS'd about something, and, and it dawned on me that I hadn't heard any gunshots in a while, and we're standing outside. So, as a match director, nobody's shooting. I'm like, all right, something's wrong. with the hell's going on? So, I was like, hey, I haven't heard any shooting in a while. Have you? What the hell's going on? And then it dawned on me, that's probably the opposite of everybody else in the world. Like, I haven't heard any shooting for a while. That makes me nervous. So, I just thought that was uh, something funny. Um, so, in terms of fixing it, you need to come train with me but uh, I would work a drill where I- any type of high accuracy drill something extreme like you know a one inch a one inch dot at, at seven yards or a two inch dot at, at, at 12 yards something where you have to be very very precise on the gun uh, you can use dummy you can use dummy rounds like a ball and dummy drill um, I'm a little hesitant with those because they they can be really frustrating, and even even for an experienced shooter like myself, if if you were to throw one in on me on a medium range target, you would definitely see the gun dip down. But there's a difference in timing the gun, what I call timing the gun and anticipation of recoil. And I'm not going to get into that difference now. But uh, you know, like an El prez for example, that type of drill, if you were to throw that dummy round in on me, the gun would definitely jump down. It would dip hard. Uh, if I was running a 25 yard plate rack and you throw the dummy on the end, the gun wouldn't move at all. And that goes back to how I'm gripping the gun, how I'm m- manipulating the gun based on the type of target that I'm shooting and, and the type of speed or accuracy that I'm looking for. So I hope that helps, but I can, uh, I can hit more on that later. If you got, got more questions on that, that was from Joe. If you got more questions on that, uh, let me know. I can hit on it more. Let's see where we're at time wise here. Yeah, thirty minutes. I'll do one more. Um, I'm gonna skip a couple. I'll, I'll get back to these because there's a lot of good questions on the Facebook thread. I will uh, I will make a list of them and uh, start hammering them out as I get through the next couple of podcasts. Uh, Chris asked, "What's what's spring?" I'm read this here. What what spring guide do you use when you shoot limited? Uh, Also, mag springs, do you cut them to have more capacity? No. Uh, Springs for limited, I shoot a a 2011. So STI, full dust cover, edge basically, but uh, custom built by Millennium Custom. I run an 11, and I run it long. Or not long as in length, but long as in time. I'll run it forever. So you pretty much call it a, a 10, high 10 or medium 10 because it's a worn out. And my philosophy on that, I'm not a gunsmith, I'm not an engineer, but you know, my philosophy on that is the job of the recoil spring is to return the gun to battery. That's it, Uh, there's really nothing else. And if you think about uh, mechanically how the gun functions, when you pull the trigger and the bullet fires, blowback operated, in order for that slide to travel to the rear and compress that spring, something has to stop the bottom of the gun. So think about it like that. If there's nothing stopping the bottom of the gun, the grip, then the slide's not going to cycle. Like if you could somehow suspend the gun in air and pull the trigger, the whole gun would fly to the rear. The slide wouldn't cycle. And so that something is you. So we have to stop the bottom of the gun. So to use the example of extremes, if... If you had a 100-pound recoil spring in there, your your hand and grip and, and body would have to stop 100 pounds of pressure in order for that slide to retract to the rear and return forward versus a 1-pound spring. Now you've only got to withstand 1 pound of pressure. So the recoil spring governs the felt recoil of the gun. doesn't have anything to do with power factor or, or, or um, energy or anything like that, but in terms of how the gun feels for you as the shooter, uh, that matters. It also has to return the gun into battery and the gun's gotta lock up. So it's gotta, you know, it's got a 100% success rate, return the gun to battery. So that's, that's the first important thing. But after that, I want the lightest, pretty much the lightest recoil spring I can run in order to keep that felt recoil down to a minimum. And so the slide, so now if you're running a super light spring, like I do, when that slide retracts to the rear, it's gonna bottom out, and it's bottoming out metal on metal. I don't run a I don't run a shock buff or anything because they just fall apart and fuck shit up. So that's bottoming out metal on metal. So I mean, there's a there is a a uh, a limit. You've got to have some resistance, or you're just gonna destroy your equipment. But it does beat my gun up pretty good. So I'll see some definite peening marks on the in the um, on the guide rod where the where the slide's coming back and hitting it. And, uh, you know, I talked to Derek about it years ago, and he's like, screw it, it's just metal. You know, we'll, we'll dremel it off or we'll put a new one in or whatever. So, uh, but also over the years, I've, I've cracked slides and, and cracked barrels and cracked frames, and um, things wear out. You know, and I, so I, I run stuff on the edge. I'm running, I'm running it for maximum efficiency and speed and accuracy and, and, and you know, pushing everything to the limits. Uh, so that you have to weigh that in as well. So that you know the heavier spring you run is going gonna limit some of that abuse you know maybe 12, 13 but it's very easy to tell and it's very easy to feel and the springs are cheap so go buy, go buy a 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 and head out to the range and try them you know, they're not hard to change out they're, they're pretty quick to change out so you could shoot easy to shoot uh, a couple build drills with one swap it out build drills swap it out build drills and, and tell for yourself. You know, we used to, well, I, I used to, you know, sling a sling a double tap out there and we would, we would judge your spring uh, efficacy based on how far apart your your hits were. I don't know. I think that's just kind of wizardry. I don't know if that makes a shit. But um, but we've been playing with things like that for a long time to, to kind of figure them out. So I guess the short answer to the, after the long answer is, uh, I run as light as will operate the gun. Uh, on the mag springs, no, I do not mess with mag springs. I, again, I want reliability, 1,000% there. I run um, grams follower and spring uh, with a SV or ST tube, depends on what gun, and Terran tactical base pads. Uh, the Terran springs and followers are probably awesome. But again, I'm uh, old. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I've run Grams forever, and uh, they've they've they never failed me. They always work great. So I run the 11 coil in the uh, either 126 or 140 mags, and the 13 coil in the uh, 170 mags. And don't cut them. Don't mess with them. Don't do nothing. And I've I mean I get only get 20. I get 29 in the open gun. Uh, Some guys are getting 30. I could probably clip a coil and get 30, but to me, it's just not worth chancing it. Uh, I mean, I don't even load the mags full unless I need it. And if, so if it's a 22, 3, 4, 5 position or something, I'm, I'm not going to put that 29 round in there anyway. Just again, the more the more times you're running stuff on edge to the limit of its physical ability, the higher chance you're you're asking for a failure rate. Uh, so I, you know, I, I try to make sure I'm getting 100% reliability and uh, worry about that other stuff second. So limited, I, mean, I didn't, uh, yeah, you did say limited, so, all right, so limited division. Uh, I run a, I run a couple of res comp mags. With the Gram setup, I get 21 uh, reloadable. And then with the STI setup, I get uh, 19. I think 19 at most, maybe there's one or two, I get 20. But again, I don't push it. You know, I've, I treat the res comp kind of like my big stick with a limited gun. So I got my 21 rounder there, and then normally you don't need another 21 rounder. So, you know, I've got my regular STI that if they'll hold 20, no problem. I put 16, 17, 18 in them. They reload awesome, and I don't sweat it. So, hope that answers your question there. Uh, all right, guys, I think that's gonna wrap it up for today. I uh, appreciate your time, and really, really, really appreciate the Facebook questions. So if you've got you got stuff you want me to to jabber about, hit us up on Facebook or uh, or shoot me an email. I, I keep a list, as I said, of, of all the questions. So if I didn't answer you on Facebook tonight, I see it. I've got it. And it will go in the queue for future questions. Hope you guys have a good week, and I'll see you on the range.